Welcome to Blasty Airwaves with Blast Intermediate Unit 17. My name is Rebecca Gibbony, and I am the Coordinator of Professional Learning at Blast Intermediate Unit 17. Here at Blast, we strive to transform lives and communities through educational services. For this season of Blasty Airwaves, we have a special guest co-host who is working to create and sustain pathways to employment in our region by uniting her community around common goals in STEM learning. This season's guests come from nine counties total, representing different local industries all across Northeastern and Central Pennsylvania. I'd like to introduce you to Alexandra Consort-Grushinsky, STEM Services Coordinator for NEIU-19 and current lead of NEPA STEM Ecosystem. Alexandra, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be able to work with you for our celebration of STEM and industry this year. Our STEM ecosystem is holding a week-long series of free events and opportunities highlighting industry partners and the benefits they have in our five-county region. Our hope is that by listening to the wide variety of employment opportunities available in our region from folks in our community who live it every day, we can shed a light on what's possible for our young people. Alexandra, we are so excited to partner with you in this endeavor and celebrate industry and STEM. On this podcast, we will provide you with educational solutions and resources for all, no matter the learning environment. So teachers, administrators, students, caregivers, industry partners, everyone, what are you waiting for? What would happen if we started questioning? What if our students and educators got the opportunities to sit down with members of the community? What if we bridge that gap? What connections would we discover? I don't know about you, Alexandra, but it is time to blast the airwaves. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Russell Casp, Advanced Engineering Manager at Gentex Corporation in Lackawanna County. And of course, we have Alexandra Kansor-Grushinsky, STEM Services Coordinator of NEIU-19 and current lead of NEPA STEM Ecosystem. Russ, Alexandra, thanks so much for joining us today to discuss STEM skills used in your industry. Specifically, we will be discussing how knowledge and of different STEM skills are important in your current job position. So are you guys ready to blast the airwaves? Ready to go. Absolutely. So, Russell, why why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about your role in industry? So, thank you very much for the introduction. It's a pleasure to be here. So, my name, Russ Casp. I am the Advanced Engineering Manager of Gentex. So, the easy way to think about that is I run the R&D division at our corporate headquarters in Carbondale. So, what we do is we're not involved directly with the production of helmets or personal protective equipment. What we're doing is we're looking at the materials, the processes in order to make them better along the way. Um, I interface with educational groups like this one. I interface with our customers. I interface with vendors all over the country and all over the world. I just had a conversation with a group down in Brazil, as a matter of fact. Um, So we do collaborations with any number of people, anyone who can make us do what we do better, more inexpensive, which is the fun way of saying cheaper, (laughs) for uh, more efficiently and at a lighter weight. Because you can imagine what Gentex does, we're doing uh, personal protective equipment from the head up. Every ounce of weight is important. 
So we try and keep the weight down as much as possible. And that's where most of our research goes. Wow. I love that global connection piece and how important those, even those networking ties are. Um, I have to ask, did you speak English or did you speak Portuguese? I know about four words of Portuguese, which is enough to find someone who speaks English. And I also know obrigado. So that's about Oh, there it. we go. There we go. <laughs> non fala portuguese. <laughs> I don't even know what you said. I said there, I don't speak Portuguese. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. So your work, Russ, is, is fascinating, especially... You know, you constantly have to keep in mind your your costs. You constantly have to keep in mind your your eventual clients, which is you know heads and 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 weight for that type of thing. So I'm wondering if you could dig a little bit deeper into your role in this industry and and describe maybe what your typical day would be like, if you have a typical day. That's a great caveat you put on the end there, because the first thing I was going to say is that there's no such thing as a typical day. Uh, everything, I have a plan usually at the beginning of the day where I need to get four things done before I can go home. And usually at about four o'clock, I've gone about halfway through one of them. So <laughs> what that means is that going through the day, I, I, I sit down, I have my list of work that I want to get done. Now, most of that work generally turns into report writing, uh, which, which is the least fun part of my work. The fun part of my work is when that gets blown up. When someone comes to my office and says, hey, Russ, we have a problem. We need your help fixing it. Or I had a conversation with a customer and this is what they really want. We had a conversation, again, global connection. We had a conversation with a, a customer in Canada recently. And my day completely got thrown off the rails. Um, what we thought that they wanted was they wanted a helmet with the highest level of protection we could give them. Turns out what they told us is what they wanted was the lowest weight possible. Cost is no object. So all of a sudden I have to start balancing, okay, what can we do? We have this line of helmets and we have helmets that are the highest protection level, but they're also then the heaviest. We have helmets that are the lightest, but then those are also going to be the most expensive counterintuitively. So then how do we go about finding what we can do if you take price off the table, which is a huge consideration for people not in my position. <laughs> in my position, I'm looking for performance versus weight. Um, I like to say I'm a material scientist by trade. I like to say that a dollar sign is just another material property. Uh, it goes along with Young's modulus, tensile strength, flexural strength, dollars. Um, so th that's a really good example of how my day gets blown up. Um, that being said, there is some routine during the day. Um, I'm in a highly technical position, so I'm always doing something to do with engineering or chemistry. Now, my personal expertise within material science is on the chemistry side of things. So uh, there's a lot that I have to do with chemical analysis, um, mechanical analysis, um, and uh, various different analytical chemistry techniques to not only performing them, but also analyzing the data and then spitting it back out in a way that is digestible to my target audience. Now, my target audience might be a customer, um, whether that's a police force or our government or a foreign government, but the customer might also be internal. Is that our quality department? So as a as manager, what I'm doing quite a bit is I'm delegating out some of those tasks, which is, hey, go run the FTIR, which is a piece of equipment that we use to identify unknowns. 
And then I go and I sit down with my technician who has run the FTIR and we go over the spectra that it spits out and we try and find out what that material is. So what I do is I give my technician the instructions to go run the FTIR on this unknown polymeric material. He comes back with a spectra. We both look at it together and we try and determine, we thought it was going to be polypropylene, but it turns out it's actually polyester. So then I go and talk to my mechanical engineer and how does that then affect the strength profile and are we still good using this material? And then as the manager, my job is to take all of those different things and put them together into a report saying not only why we did what we did, how we did what we did, but what the implications are of those results. And that's what a lot of my day turns into. That's I. That sounds exciting, to be honest. And I love how you pushed it to, you know, your main role is what are the implications? A lot of times we forget about that, that it's not just the how and the why, but as a result, this is this is what happens. Um, Russell, you mentioned engineering, which is one of those STEM skills. What other STEM skills do you use in your position right now? You know, I use a surprising amount of just basic mm-hmm. mathematics, trigonometry. My 10th grade trigonometry, you sit in that class and you think to yourself, when am I ever going to use this? I use it every day. If it wasn't for Sokotoa, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do half the I work I do. I forgot about Sokotoa. Oh my so, gosh. I remember Sokotoa too. My goodness, <laughs> blast from the high school past. Yes. It, it's great. Like That and the law of signs. I am constantly trying to figure out angles. And trigonometry is the way to do it. So I sat in that class thinking, okay, this is boring. And then I use it every day. <laughs> Um, what's another thing I did? So on a little bit more advanced mathematics, uh, I was once sitting down with one of my teammates and we were trying to figure out how to predict what a, a, a gas spectrum would look like. And we sat in front of a whiteboard and we spent two hours going through integral calculus and trying to figure this out, looking up in, you know, calculus tables. And at the end of the day, after two hours in front of the whiteboard, we derived the equation of a line. So we were very proud of that, except for the fact that we realized we wasted two hours. But even having wasted two hours, we still had a better understanding then of what we were doing, and we'd never had to go and try and derive the equation of a line ever again. Um, I mentioned that my specialty as a material scientist is in chemistry. I I work with chemistry quite a bit as well. I just the other day I was doing a stoichiometry problem, and I don't know if you remember that word from your 11th grade chemistry, but um, balancing equations and trying to figure out, specifically I was trying to figure out the contents of lead in the final product. So, you know, balancing those equations, figuring out where everything goes. Um, it, it's a not something that we do often, and as a result, whenever it happens, it's either me or one other guy who's my chemical engineer. <laughs> wow, that is a lot. That is a lot. And I love all those concepts that you brought back from the past. (laughs) Yeah, I tell my kids sometimes I have two kids, one in uh, one in fifth grade and one in fourth grade. I'm sorry, sixth, sixth grade and fourth grade. And I'm telling them, yeah, you know, all of this science stuff that you're finding boring, struggling, getting through, you're going to use it no matter what you do. I think that the science and math teachers that are listening to this podcast are definitely saying here, here, if they're listening to you right now. Um, (laughs) So, Russ, uh, we heard about the different STEM skills that you use in your position. We heard about how your typical day, which is 
frankly, anything but typical. Um, can you help us talk about more of different skills? So we, we heard some of them, right? Some of them are math skills. Some of them are science skills. But are there any other skills that you use every day that our students would learn in school? And those can be subject specific or they can be, you know, soft skills or, or 21st century skills that, that folks need to be successful in, you know, modern society. In terms of soft skills, I think the most important skill that you can learn, and I know schools are doing a good job of this, is communication. Uh, every time a student has to give a report and they're standing up in front of the class and they're nervous and even just reading off a page monotone is great practice. You, It's a skill. It's not something that you're born with. You have to learn how to communicate properly. And even in a science, technology, engineering field, communication is so important. I, I mentioned in the beginning the report writing. All the science, the most brilliant scientific work that you could possibly do, the most brilliant and most elegant and simple engineering solution you could possibly come up with means absolutely nothing if you can't explain it to somebody. And more importantly, if you can't explain it to someone who is not an engineer. It's a skill, and the more practice you get at that, the better. So every time my kids are nervous about having to get up in front of the class, I smile because I know it's just going to get easier for them as the years go by, and it's just going to be to their benefit. So, Russell, it sounds to me like you love this work, that you love your job. Your enthusiasm and your joy really does come through in your explanation of what it is that you do can you share with us when you knew you wanted to be an engineer? Like, when did that epiphany happen for you? <laughs> my, my father is a ah, civil engineer. runs in the family. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, my father is a civil engineer. His brother is a civil engineer. His older <laughs> brother is a civil engineer. Uh, the, the joke is in my family is that the men are either engineers or cops and the women are either teachers or cops. So, um, yeah, it, it's in my blood. There's just something about the mathematics and the nature. I think my father knew that I was going to be an engineer and have a scientific mind. When I was a little boy, you can't see because this is a podcast, but I'm wearing glasses. And I've worn glasses since I was three years old. I just couldn't see a darn thing. Um, they got me glasses, and I would break them all the time. And my mother couldn't figure out why I was breaking the glasses until she caught me one day. But I was taking the arms and I was bending it and then I would let it go back and then I would bend it a little further and then it would go back and then I would bend it a little further and it would break. And she saw this look of surprise and like joy on my face. And she goes and complains to my father, like, I can't believe it. He broke his glasses. He did it on purpose. I watched him. And my father, the way he tells the story is he just kind of goes, yeah, he was testing the material properties of the, the arms. He wanted to know just how far he could push it before they break. Uh, so that's when he knew. When I knew, um, yeah, I, I, man, I don't know. I just always kind of liked chemistry. And I liked a more applied version of chemistry, which is what material science is. Um, as much fun as it is being in the lab with, you know, Bunsen burners and beakers mixing things, what I really enjoy is coming up with an end product that's like an actual 
touchable, tangible thing. And that's where the engineering comes in. So I'm more on the science side of engineering, but I'm definitely into the engineering. Oh, sorry. And your products help people too, right? Like the things that Gentex builds that you help design, they, they help people. They protect people's heads. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. One of the things I love about my job is I know that I'm helping bring soldiers home. Um, we make ballistic helmets where a soldier would not be coming home to see his family if our helmet wasn't there. Every now and again, we get a report from the field. Someone sends in a picture of their helmet that got hit with any who knows what. And it's got a picture of the guy smiling and his kid next to him saying, you know, thank you so much, Gentex, for building this helmet so I could come home and hug my kid. And those really hit home. It, it's something say, that I'm like quite proud of. Goosebumps, like that's a great story, and it goes back to your implications. <laughs> like, why, you know, what is it? What are we doing this for? Um, wow. So, who, who are we helping? Yeah, who are we helping? The the bigger bigger than me kind of question we always talk about with students. Um, so, Russell, I mean, you obviously didn't. Well, maybe you did. Um, but you didn't start in this position, right? You took, what pathway did you take to get to where you are today in the role you have? Oh, how far back do you want to go? Um, we could talk about my starting undergraduate in college through grad school and then into industry if you want. All right. So I started actually in chemical engineering because like I said, what I wanted to do was become an engineer and I love chemistry. Uh, as it turns out, chemical engineering is more about engineering chemical facilities and how to handle chemicals properly. And that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to engineer chemicals, you know, um, and one of my roommates was in material science and I saw the work he was doing. I, yep, yep, that's it. That's what I want to do. So I went in and I started doing that and my grades turned around. Uh, and then the end of undergraduate, I was talking to one of my professors and this was back in 2003. So you know, the economy wasn't all that good. The job market wasn't great. And he just told me, you need to go to grad school. You will always regret not going to grad school. So I shipped off to Seattle, mm-hmm. University of Washington. Oh, I, I graduated uh-huh. undergrad from Rutgers in New Jersey. But after that, I went to uh, University of Washington in Seattle. And uh, I was working on this great armor project. And unfortunately, the company who was funding my work they went under. And usually that's a death knell for a graduate program. Thankfully, there was some money going back and forth between Congress and the UK Parliament trying to send students back and forth across the ocean. So I ended up at University of Manchester in the United Kingdom working on a unique composites manufacturing process. Uh, I got my PhD there and I thought the job market in 2003 was bad, but I graduated in 2010. So... (laughs) Uh, I found any job that would have me, which was working as a material scientist for a company in aerospace back out in Seattle. Uh, We were a tier one supplier to Boeing, and this was just pure engineering. We were building the lavatories for the new 787 and the new 737. Um, So if you've flown on a 737 recently and you've noticed the little curved walls, sorry, that's my fault. We took half an inch away from you inside the lavatory but every airline got 1.8 more seats on the airplane. So, hey, it's worth it to them. Um, 
and around 2013, the economy was really starting to pick back up. And I started looking for jobs back east because I wanted to move back home. I'm originally from northern New Jersey. And the Gentex opportunity popped up. It was right in my alleyway. Um, it was an armor project, which goes back to my University of Washington days. It had to do with composites because that's what modern ballistic helmets are made out of. They're made out of advanced ballistic composite materials, which is right up my alley from grad school. And it was close to home. It, it was great. And um, man, just seeing what they do. And, and as I talked about earlier, bringing soldiers home, um, bringing people home to see their families, it, it was just a great opportunity. And I couldn't pass it up. So I, I moved out here to the Scranton area. Uh, I started working there as just as a materials engineer. Uh, and then a couple of years later, we started a new group called the Advanced Engineering Group. And I got promoted to be the manager. And Congratulations. I mean, we oftentimes, you know, sometimes you. we have to start where we don't always envision ourselves starting, but if you work hard, that hard work pays off and um, look at where it brought you today. So that's fantastic. Yeah, it wasn't a very secure, circuitous route. I kind of did end up where I always thought I would, which is a little yeah. bit strange if you think about it. Well, <laughs> Russell, um, this right now is my favorite part of our podcast um, on Blast the Airwaves, where I blast you with five random questions, and it might not have anything to do with a career pathway, oh but just so our listeners get to know who you are, okay? So they're going to be some fun sure questions, thing. and I, if you can just respond with a short answer, that would be fantastic. You ready for this? Okay, <laughs> so, I Russell, think so. <laughs> what is your favorite part of your job? You alluded to this a little bit. Oh, my, uh, you know, it's not going to be what you think it is. I think my favorite part of the job is when we're given a really difficult task. I look at it and I think it's impossible. And then three months later, I get it done. That sounds very intriguing. Three months later, I'm thinking like, oh, in, in five minutes, I have a Three months later, that's even true. <laughs> no, real very life takes true, a little longer, true. unfortunately. All right. Not so serious one. Favorite food. Oh man, no! I that that's a more difficult question than you can possibly imagine. I love food. Okay, so my comfort food would be Mediterranean food. Anything all the way from Spain out to like mm. Israel and oh. Lebanon, paella, Italian food, hummus, all it. that good no, stuff. Right? Uh, Russell, favorite music? <laughs> Grunge. I'm a kid from the early '90s. Pearl, Pearl Jam's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I will admit that that was a non-zero influence in accepting the position at University of Washington. <laughs> Next one, favorite TV show? Right now, uh, I'm on a hiatus okay. from watching The Expanse because um, I'm reading all the books. <laughs> uh, I would say all time, my favorite favorite show would be News Radio. It was a sitcom from the late 90s with Dave Foley and Phil Hartman. It I was hilarious. I remember that show, Rebecca. <laughs> and last one, if you were to give your ultimate piece of advice to our listeners, what would it be? Stick with it. Whatever it is that you're doing, if it's hard, that's oh, good. Love you're it. Grow. I love it, Russell. Well, Russell, this has been a blast, no pun intended, uh, with you and Alexandra today. We celebrate you and what you do every day in STEM. Again, Thank you for taking some time today to connect with us and our listeners. And it was a pleasure to have you on the content, uh, com, uh, on the podcast. Um, and 
uh, for me meeting you. This is the first time I've met you. So it was a pleasure and take care and hopefully we'll, we'll connect soon. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. We would like to thank you for blasting the airwaves with us today. If you like the show, please subscribe or leave a review. If you want to know more, check out www.iu17.org for further resources and show notes. If you'd like to learn more about NEPA STEM ecosystem and the work we're doing in STEM and job pathways, please visit us at www.nepastem.org. As always, we want to thank you for what you do every single day. We'd also like to especially thank our industry partners. Remember, keep shining. We'll be back next episode to provide you another educational solution and more resources for all as we continue to transform lives and communities through educational services.